Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and our favorite pieces of media. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my stupendous co-host with me today, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt? Uh, Dicynodonts were the most common herbivores in the early to mid-Triassic, outnumbering any dinosaurian ones by a vast number. In fact, there were no dinosaurian herbivores until the middle Jurassic, almost all until prosauropods came along, almost every single uh, dinosaur living at that time, including the relatives of sauropods who are alive today were carnivorous. I did not know that. Yeah. And, and I'm suspecting many folks at home did not either. So in fact, Liz, Wick, Oh, sorry. No, let's, let's do the, uh, <laughs> Uh, so we're going to be answering your questions today. And if you have questions for this podcast or any of the podcasts that we do, be sure to send them into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. You can also specify what show it's for. And if you want to ask dinosaur questions, I'm fairly confident Matt would like that. Uh, if you don't do the email thing and you are happen to be a Patreon subscriber, you can go ahead and head over to our discord server. Uh, we have a patron Q and podcast questions channel where we do look for all of our questions first as a way of saying thank you to our patrons for helping support us. And if you can't support us, we understand times are tough and all that. Uh, we do have a Q and podcast questions channel in the discord server again, to specify what show it's for so that we don't have to wrestle for it. All right. Now these are some leftover questions from, uh, last week, or at least a couple of them are, and, uh, we're going to go ahead and start with them. So, with the assumption that Shadowlands won't be tossed into chromie time and you'll have to level through it, do you think Blizzard should package vanilla to BFA as the old gods era and now that we're moving into the cosmic era? Well, the void is something of a threat we've welcomed, uh, something of a threat we've welcomed void elves with open arms. So now it feels like the story is moving away from the void lords as a threat and now it's something bigger. I do think that there is something to uh, show for. 
essentially, like, there is a bigger threat, but we don't know if it's the Void or not. Like, they haven't really mentioned anything about it. And there, I think there's definitely a case to be made that the Void is not quite done with us. We saw them in Shadowlands. There was an assault on Bastion there. There's definitely something looming. The Void is definitely tied up in everything. Um, if we go with the the description that we've talked about before, of there's possible that all these different realms were carved out specifically uh, to be at, like aspects of something larger. The void is still part of that cycle, at least in some capacity. Uh, what do you think, Matt? Well, to answer the first part of your question, from what I've been seeing, looking around, uh, we're going to go ten to sixty in chromie time in Dragonflight. Uh, yeah, and that that doesn't include Shadowland. Um, so yeah, that will be happening. Uh, as for the the threats coming, what are they going to be? I mean, calling it cosmic would be weird because it's kind of already been cosmic, at least for several expansions. Especially with uh, the Titans like, and stuff like that, right? Yeah, like I'm going to say right now that I don't know what else you'd call Legion. I mean, we go to another planet. We, we've, you know, the demons invade from, from portals. Through, you know, it, it, the Titans show up. Um, we I fight on like a spaceship. Don't forget that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, we fight on a couple of spaceships, don't we? We do. Yeah, a couple yeah, of them. Um, so yeah, uh, I think in general you would have to say that we've we've done cosmic in, in previous visions of WoW. Um, it feels to me sometimes like there's some there's something I notice in the community in general is this need to define things before they're done. Yeah, I think there's there's a bit of human nature in that. I believe I think we yeah we we tend to want to feel a little more comfortable if we define something right, like we can package it up really neatly. I don't think that World of Warcraft, as it has existed up to this point breaks up into easy little chunks that are like like every expansion before um i'm gonna say every expansion before uh legion for absolute sure f- does not feel like it is continuous with the pre with the following expansion i mean there are connective tissue but it feels like books in a series like to, to use a series that i've actually like i've read a few times and actually liked a bit um although i am not a big fan of david eddings I liked his Elenium books and you can totally break his books up in his Elenium books up into things like what you're talking about, but I don't feel like wow does that. I feel like wow I, is much more along the lines of, and, and again, this is before a certain point, but I feel like if you go from like r- vanilla, wow, vanilla, wow itself has multiple story arcs. in mm-hmm. it. Like you could actually say that there's like three expansions inside vanilla. Wow. There's the whole bit with the, with the uh, Molten Core and Blackwing Lair inside Blackrock Mountain. That feels like an arc. Then you have everything involving, you know, Zulgarub, and that's kind of connective tissue to get you to AQ, and the AQ stuff is its own thing. And then you have Nexramus. And these feel like they feel separate. They, they, they are obviously part of the same world, but they feel very much like, for lack of a word, seasons of a TV show. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, I think it does actually. So if you look at that, so that's original. Wow. Almost feels like a couple seasons of a TV show, like two or three. And then for lack of a better word, the show stops like it, it, maybe the show comes off the air or whatever. And then it comes back as something else, the way Battlestar Galactica did. And I'm not talking from the original seventies, eighties Battlestar Galactica to the, the uh, sci-fi version. But I mean, Battlestar Galactica kept having new series and new movies and new things. And they were connected because it's still Battlestar Galactica, but it was separated by theme and tone. And I think that this is an example, like if you go from 
Burning Crusade is very focused on Draenor and Illidan and the weird otherworldly stuff. And then you go to Wrath of Lich King, which is not. Mm-hmm. They are. It's a tone shift. It's a thematic shift. It's almost like American Horror Story. I think that's actually a really good way to look at it. Is American Horror Story, it's always the same actors, but it's like different stories yeah it's like it's like almost like carving out pieces of an anthology that's long running right like it's or, or like doctor who yeah or like you get the doctor is a different person but at the same time it's still the, it's doctor. the same character right yeah and the things come back and things reoccur but they're noticeably different between like seasons or whatever they call them series i think they call them series that. yeah they call them series yeah. and and i think that that's something to be considered in the case of wow because MMOs are long form storytelling by their nature. They but have they're to also, be. yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're, they're planned out in advance, but there's also a bit of improvisation to them in that you get what, you know, they're like, okay, we're going to plan this out ahead. But if like literally everybody decided, like if the, if the tumult of the, of the audience is clearly that they want to see X, X will get put in, even if it wasn't part of the original plan, like the dragon house that we're going to see in dragon in a uh, dragon uh, flight were originally planned for Vanilla WoW. Yeah. That doesn't mean the the expansion we're getting is what we would have got in Vanilla WoW. Right, because things things shift and things change, right? Like yeah, it's absolutely. it's it's constantly evolving and constantly changing. So um, I think trying to set up like say this is all the cosmic era and this is now the something era. No, I don't think that that works yet. It may someday, but I feel like going forward like if you look at you got BC, Wrath and Cataclysm Cataclysm feels like a really hard stop point. It does. Because like, everything changes, long, yeah. Yeah. But would you would you call that the cosmic era? Would you call the thing before it the cosmic era? It doesn't feel right either way. Like cataclysm feels like it is the, you know, everything is different now era, for lack of a better word. It's the change era. It is cataclysm is a good name for it because it is a cataclysm. And if you look at every expansion after cataclysm, if you look at Mists of Pandaria, it's all about how cycles of, of tumult and chaos and war are kept alive by hate. Mm-hmm. Like people aren't, you know, it, it's yes, they did this thing to us, but we have to let it go or we're just going to keep fighting this forever. And that's not always satisfying and it's not always possible. And the, the counterpoint of that is if you don't decisively deal with something, then what happens later? You go through Warlords of Draenor and Legion, who are which are very much t- combined. Those two expansions are a piece. If you like one, you have to recognize that the other was necessary for it. Well, and even in the storyline, like if you, if you you go through like specifically the story of it, one one was trying to prevent the other and failed, right? Like it yeah. was that was the original conception of it. Yeah, Warlords of Draenor is very much it, it's a fascinating study in failed intentions. And Legion is very much about the, what will you do to survive? What, what is too much? Where's the line? What will you do to keep your people alive? So th- there's a thematic tie between those two. Battle for Azeroth hasn't got that tie. It, it's, but it's certainly in reaction to Legion. It's like, okay, Legion happened, and now the world is in the, si- the shape it is because of the events of Legion. What happens now? How does, how, where do we go from here? And... It clearly sets up Shadowlands, but thematically it is not very connected to Shadowlands. Shadowlands feels entirely different. Shadowlands combines the weird alienness of the Burning Crusade with the weird, you know, death focus of of Wrath. And 
we can go back and forth on how well you think it did, but mm-hmm. it's definitely distinctive and unique in its own thing. So I feel like right now trying to lump all of that together into an era is not going to work. It just, it just isn't, it isn't accurate to describe the way the story flowed in my opinion. I, I, and I would tend to agree with that. It's, it's it because it's been such a long running thing. It's existed for so long. It makes it even harder to sort of uh, part it out. Like when we were talking about, you you were going through the expansions individually that made a lot of sense because before you know there were a million expansions we would as players and even as developers they would refer to things as the, like the vanilla era or the burning crusade era or the wrath era the cataclysm era but it's gotten so long in the tooth now this not a bad thing i, I don't i don't mean to make it sound like it's it, it's a bad thing that it's been long running but the fact that there's so much to it makes that harder. Now you can still define it by the expansions because things tend to shift rather dramatically between expansions. But even yeah, if you notice, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm agreeing with you. That's just me saying, yes, I agree. So, yeah. And, but in, then if you look at some of the other ways that they've defined it, even as the folks working on it, they've also started to define it as war eras, right? Like this is, the third war, this is the fourth war, this is the Legion War, this is you know shifting sands, yeah. the shifting sands. Like they do that because these are, are huge hallmark events or or pieces that happen, right? So there's ways to do it that I think are feel genuine to it. However, I think it is a very, very difficult thing to do. Uh, I understand the desire to do so. Believe me, I do. <laughs> uh, but at yeah, this like point, another way to put it is: if any form of long-form storytelling, with any form of it, mm-hmm. uh, some of it is planned and some of it is accidental, because you never know what part of something is going to like click in with the players. We did not know back in Vanilla that Sorfang would be the major focus of an expansion. Yeah, we had no idea. He was barely a character. He was a few catchphrases and he was a really cool. It was really cool to mind control him and just utterly wreck Orgrimmar with him. Or, like, you know, or when he, you know, we didn't really get anything of depth from him until uh, Ice Crown, right? Yeah, exactly. But he was cool and we all liked him. I mean, even Alliance players liked him. Even when we like lost the mind control on him and he'd come out and he would ruin us. <laughs> like it was just, you know, but we liked it. But at the same time, there are other characters who like that. I don't know if anyone's ever noticed this. Uh, we did a leveling stream for uh, the, the, the Blizzard Watch crew did a, le- a leveling stream and we were doing Death Knights. And this led to the hilarious uh, Corfax is just won't stop killing us moment where Corfax just runs loose well after we've, we've kicked over the point where the Lich King has been sent away and Tyrion and Darian have their little, we will defeat him. But meanwhile, in the background, Corfax is running around murdering us and it's, it's hilarious and it's great, but Corfax didn't get an expansion. Mm -hmm. These are not things that you can predict. You cannot predict which guy is going to become absolutely super relevant, even though he's essentially a throwaway character. Uh, Look at, look, I mean, let's look at Zakan, right? Yeah. Zappy boy. Yeah, Zappy Boy, like instantaneously a fan favorite, but that I don't think was expected. I don't think they even said as much, right? Like it's no, he's he's just a character they had like the cinematic where he comes and talks to Sorfang was made significantly after the mm-hmm. cinematic we first see him in, and they realized, oh wait a minute, 
people love this guy. Mm-hmm. Let's let's do something with that. Then he gets his own cinematic. Then he gets to be in the book because people love him. But that doesn't always happen. But because it's long form storytelling, there's so many characters. I, do you remember the Thistle Crow Thirst? Yeah, actually, I do. Yeah. Everybody, like for like a two year period, everybody was like super hot for Thistle Crow. I, I didn't understand it because I somehow missed her. Um, I don't think I did uh, Hygel that much. Well, her and also her quest was a little out of the way too. It wasn't it, the Thistle Crow stuff. Like you could you could skip it. Like you didn't have to do it. But please continue. Yeah, but I th- that's just my point. It's like that character caught on. I don't think they would if they had known that was going to happen. They wouldn't have put her on a throwaway quest that you didn't have to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because that's you know why would they do that? Uh, so yeah, it's. In this kind of storytelling, in this kind of format, um, not just how we look at it, but how it will be defined in the future is malleable. It will change as time goes on. Before Legion came out, the absolute undisputed favorite expansion for, I'd say, a good solid 70% of the player base was Wrath of the Lich King. And yeah. it's, still a, it's still a beloved expansion by many people. I find it to be you know, not my beloved. I, I have lots of problems with it, which I'll explain sometime when we're not on a lore podcast. Uh, but I do think that Legion changed the way everyone thinks about other expansions. It changed the way you think about Legion made people like Legion, of course, but it also made people like Missa Pandaria more. Like I have lost track of the amount of people who would suddenly be like, wow, Missa Pandaria is really good. How come I didn't notice that? I'm like, because you were too busy hating it. Then now you realize it was good because it's very similar to the expansion you're in now. That is good. Uh, yeah, that that's and that's that's just something that can happen, and it changes the way your perspective on everything that has come before now is. And because of that, I feel like in the future we may refer to this all as something we we don't even think about now because some expansion might come out that changes it, contextualizes everything before it in a different way. Um, I don't know what that expansion will be or what it would be about, but I'm saying it could happen. So hopefully that answers a little bit of that question, but we have one more from the same person. Uh, these are all from Tolkienberg. Uh, the next one is, uh, do you think of an expansion where we don't add new zones as the expansion goes? Each patch is just adding to the original and advancing the story there. I think this will prevent the world from feeling empty in later patches thoughts. They've done this a little bit, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, for lack of a better term, I mean, Cataclysm did add a couple of new zones, but for all that it did, it was the largest overhaul the game had ever seen by completely changing the face of the, the game world itself. They also added new content that happened to be in the world, in these areas, in these zones that players could go to as the expansion moved on. They did the same thing with uh, Mists of Pandaria. Uh, where there was more stuff added to the zones. Um, but I think what you're asking for is something a little bit larger scale where it's like, and maybe I'm wrong and I'm going to throw and, and maybe I'm, but maybe I'm not. I think it's the idea of at its core concept is let's say we have a single zone. It's one zone, Horde on one side, Alliance on the other, whatever. But that one zone is so massive that every content update just adds something more to that specific zone. Uh, City of Heroes did this. There's other MMOs that have done uh, done this in the past. And it's interesting. The problem that you're going to run into is justifying it in the storytelling, at least from my perspective. Because how are these new things being discovered in something that players have tread through 
for three, four, five months or whatever the case is between, between updates. How do you tie that in with the lore of that area? How do you tie it into the storytelling of that area? Not saying I'm that it, glad you asked, which is why I'm going to pass this over to Matt. The uh, perfect example of what you're talking. First off, I don't know that this person is asking that they don't add any more new zones in the expansion. It could be that they're asking, why don't they just not add more new zones after the expansion goes live? No, um, it, literally, do you think of an expansion where we don't we add, don't new, add zones new zones as, as the expansion, expansion goes. goes? So the initial setup, right? It, like the so zones are there it, at the beginning. Yeah. And and the thing is, is they did that in Cataclysm. Mm-hmm. And the way it worked, where the perfect example of it is the, the uh, Molten Front, where how do we discover these new things that we didn't discover before? They start happening. So they're not there the first time through. It's that now they are. Now that we've opened up this new er- the, this new thing has happened on this old area. That is something that they did in 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 Cataclysm with the Burning Front. That's something that they did in Shadowlands with the Veil of Eternal Blossom slash Veil of Eternal Sorrow, where you change the zone and make the the new stuff be part of that change. That's one way you can do it, and it certainly can work. Um, Another thing, however, let's take your idea and really go with it. What if you have, you don't have any new zones, like not even one new zone. Let's, you start the expansion and that expansion is set just on Azeroth and there's nothing new. No new zones open up, no, no new places to go. There's no going to another dimension to go to the rock place or the air place or the fireplace. I mean, you know, we never did get to go to the Abyssal Maw. So. I know, that's sad. But let's just say, okay, we'll start there. Nothing new. How do you do it? And the thing I said is one way you can do that. You can have, okay, sure, no new zones are added, but now the uh, Horde has built a new fortress in Arathi and is making a push to reclaim it. And they've disturbed some, like, you know, they've disturbed the Gopher people. And now both Horde and Alliance have to deal with the Gopher people. Um, if you've seen Caddyshack, you know that can be really hard to do. Uh, or the end of or the end of Incredibles one. Yeah. So you've got that's one possibility. You 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 make something new happen in the zone. Another possibility is actually to do something that we've never seen in World of Warcraft very much. Interzone connection. Uh we've seen it to a degree, but one quest that always comes to mind. Do you remember back in Wrath of the Lich King? There was a portal from Sh- from Sholazar Basin to Ungoro? Yes. And a quest where you went to Ungoro and and brought some, this giant yeah, Ptolemy thing. It was the, the, the Titan portal. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine if you you go to the next patch, patch, I don't know, 11.2, and now suddenly you're traveling from say Silithus to Vashir because there's now a threat that's that's actually coming from Silithus and going to Vashir looking for Nazoth relics or whatever, because Cthun is back and he's trying to make a power grab. Now you don't actually, you have to add new stuff, but it's not stuff that you would have just discovered because you'd been there before because you have no reason to go from Silithus to Vashir before. And now you do, you're taking portals to go from Silithus to Vashir. You're going from the desert to the underwater place. Um, you're go- you're, so you can make changes to the zones that serve that need. And they did this back in the day too. Like original Silithus had a glow up. I don't know if you guys remember it. Uh, the ele- there was like the twilight invasions inside mm-hmm. Silithus. Yep. And 
that was during the whole War of the Shifting Sands thing. And that also was a situation where you had to go between zones because of a threat. Um, because of what was going on in Silithus, you had to go through Ungoro and into uh, the Caverns of Time to get the, the, the Bronze Dragons to help you. Uh, and that's that kind of thing you can do. You can, you can really play with the interconnection. Even if you do have, like, say, the one big new zone that Joe's talking about, you can really play with the interconnections. If you design the zone where it's got places for these interconnections to lead, um, of all places, I think, I think Warlords actually did this pretty well. Uh, I think I Frostfire, agree. Frostfire in particular, there's a lot of stuff in Frostfire that you didn't even know you needed to deal with at first. And I, I honestly feel like Frostfire is an example of an expansion, a zone that could have been even better than it was. Um, I'm not sure what happened in Frostfire, quite frankly. I feel like uh, as much as I, you know, the the presumption with me is that I'm an Alliance guy first and foremost, I have to say that I felt like the story for the Horde in Frostfire got truncated it, it definitely it ended and then everything else was moving on with the iron horde so yeah. like that that's one of those things where i expected it to be a bigger hub or a bigger a bigger piece for the story than yeah, it like was. that whole building the, the whole building of a city inside the the, the giant thing it's taking so over the ogre encampment yeah stuff yeah. like that there's there's ways that this can be done where you don't necessarily add a bunch of new zones keep in mind that uh, a lot of the expansions didn't have new zones after they the zones that they introduced. Burning like, Crusade didn't. Yeah, Wrath of the Lich King didn't. I mean, it, it gave you a bunch of zones, and then and that, that was, was it. Yeah, and then added more stuff as things went on. Yeah, but those it was added two zones that were already there. Right. And in fact, it's what's really funny is that originally the plan was to put uh, the Argent Tournament stuff in Crystal Song, but they couldn't because at the time the limitations of the engine were such that with with uh, Dalaran floating above, the entire zone had to basically be empty or you couldn't do Dalaran. Like the computers were just saying, no, I don't know if you guys remember this and, and I'm sure Joe will, but used to, when you zoned into Dalaran back in wrath, you couldn't move for like 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and that affected their storytelling because they couldn't do the big expansive uh, thing they wanted to do in crystal song. If you look at the original quests that set up what the Argent tournament was going to become, they're in Crystal Song. You run around down in Crystal Song, killing like uh, satyrs and stuff, and yet that never like comes to anything because they couldn't put it there. They tried, and it just the computers were like, "No, we're not going to run this. This is too much." So they had to put it up in in Ice Crown. And I don't know. I think I don't remember who said this. I think it might have been Anne because uh, I was raiding with with uh, Anne during the time that that uh, Trial of the Crusader was was a big deal. And I remember her saying, yeah, yeah, just put it like, put it on ice crown. That's like, that's a great idea. I'm sure there's no way the Lich King would notice that. <laughs> it's like, you might as well have built it in front of ice crown Citadel. <laughs> I mean, really get the scourge coming over to say hello. So yeah, it, it is one of those situations where you, you can do this kind of thing. I just don't know. I, I feel like nowadays, so quite frankly, some of the best stuff in every expansion is the thing they add later. Like Argus is the, best thing they added in legion and legion was already pretty freaking good i i would argue that there's a certain amount of momentum right like it's one of those things where when you start something new and i and i think they've talked about this a little bit in the past where like until something's in the wild you, you kind of don't know how it's going to be and I, I you can tend to tend to think of these releases as 
almost like living entities, right? Um, you can prepare it, you can do whatever you, you need to before it goes out in the wild, but it really doesn't have like a sense of itself necessarily until it's had a chance to breathe and sort of do its thing. So like with expansions, you can do the betas, you can do the alphas, you can do the testing, you can do all the release for it, but the, the expansion really doesn't feel its best until it's had a little bit of a chance to figure out what it wants to be. Like you saw that in Shadowlands too, right? Like each release in Shadowlands, like, and don't get me wrong. I loved Shadowlands from the start. Like I want to make sure that that's perfectly clear to those listening at home. But as the expansion went on, I thought it got better, uh, whether it was accessibility or whether it was the zones that were introduced and the story elements that were in there. It felt like for the that it, it figured out what it wanted to do and where it wanted to go and just kind of went with it. Yeah, and like it established a groove. Exactly. It's That's it. Like, yes. If you're doing like a if you're doing a jam, say you're like jamming with somebody and you know you're playing bass and they're playing guitar and then you've got a drummer and each of you is just fiddling around at first. Once the groove comes in, once once somebody sits down and just lays out like a, like for lack of a better word, a lattice for the other two to build on, that's when you get things coming together. That's why it's called coming together. Uh, I think that in the case of Shadowlands, um, the initial launch was fine. Uh, I, I thought there was quite a, quite a bit of it that I thought was pretty good. Uh, but it was really the stuff that they did after with Corthia. And then I think Zareth Mortis is the best, best thing they've done in, in a long time. Yeah. And, Corthia sets up a really nice groove because Corthia takes everything you've heard before and recontextualizes it. It's it's like an it's like taking the Amen break out of the original song, and now you use it in sampling. Now you use it in a different way, and that set up Zareth Mortis. And once you get to Zareth Mortis, now the expansion feels complete, uh, and that works really well. It worked in Legion with Argus. I mean, I think that Legion had. Uh, Suramar, which did a lot of work on this regard as well. I think Suramar is one of the better, uh, even though Suramar existed from launch, it's, it's a, it's expansion thing that, that got bigger and more expansive as the expansion went. And it, it served as a ramp to get you to the next stage. Um, Battle for Azeroth. I, I have my problems with it, but I think that the uh, Nazjatar is, is astonishing. Nazjatar yeah. is really well done. Uh, I don't like Nomergon? Not Nomergon, sorry, Gadget, not Gadgetan. I want to call it Gadgetan. Jeez. Mechagon. You know what I'm talking about. Uh Mechagon. Yep. I don't like it as much because of the way it's set up, but if you are into that kind of utterly open world, just go do what you want thing, uh it's it's brilliant. Mechagon is is extremely well done. I feel like Battle for Azeroth would be the worst off without them. And and I would agree. And I think that Battle for Azeroth is a perfect example of of adding new things as an expansion goes that do nothing but improve the quality of it. So mm-hmm. like, I, I think they've also sort of hit their stride with it where they know like what to do. And I think we're going to see that moving into Dragonflight too. Right. And, and yeah. we're going to see maybe, I don't think we're going to get a new zone added. Maybe we will, as the thing goes on, as we uncover something, or maybe it's something that we'll get hinted at early on in the story that we, you know, we can't get to um, mile. Go ahead. Well, go ahead. No, well, I was going to say this is also something that they've done going all the way back to to Burning Crusade. Yeah, because the Isle of Quel'Danas was literally added after the end of Black Temple. Yeah, and it's it's great, and it even does that thing where I talked about going between zones. 
mm-hmm. because in, on the Isle of Kaldanas, you go through a portal and suddenly you're uh, you're on t- you're back in the freaking you know the what is that first zone? My God, why can I? Not, I want to say Tanan, but it's not Tanan anymore. What is the opening zone of Burning Crusade? Oh my God, Hellfire Ramp, uh, Hellfire. Hellfire, yeah. Hellfire Peninsula. Yes. Thank you. Oh my God. That was so hard, but yeah, you go back to Hellfire and then you come back to the aisle. It shows how the legions operating. It shows like what's going on and it, it does a really good job of that. So yeah, I think Joe's absolutely on the money here. And, and like I said, I think it, it, there's already, and these are maybe a little bit of mild spoilers and I apologize and I'm not going to go into like details, but as you're going through some of the opening areas in for like the Drak Theater, there is very clearly more to what's going on than what you have access to and what you can see at that moment. It definitely opens the door to revisit some of that later on, which is not adding anything like a new zone, but it's doing something with a zone that you already know exists. So it's, it's an interesting thing and I'm very curious to see how they're going to do that. Yeah. And I will say this too. Um, to go back to another expansion that we've been talking about, Wrath of Lich King, Ice Crown Citadel as it is at the end of that game is completely different mm-hmm. than Ice Crown Citadel when you first go to it. It is essentially a new zone. So keep in mind that there are ways they can do it without actually putting anything on the map. Because they didn't put a new zone on the map. They just expanded out. There was so much in Ice Crown that it didn't really do much or were only featured in a couple of quests. And then suddenly okay, now it's this big deal. Now there's a giant tournament up there. Now there's this, you know, whole area where we're fighting the scourge. So yeah, there's, there's ways to do it without actually adding a new zone, but adding a new zone is often one of the best ways to do it. And there's one more question I want to move on to, because I want to, I want to keep things going on here. This is the last one from Tolkienberg. Uh, any theory on what the Pantheon of death truly are, what they are, they to death, what the Titans are to order. Will a loon turn out to not be a Naru and actually the winter queen equivalent of life is Anar basically the loon winter queen of order. Um, we don't know. Uh, I, I know that's an answer that everybody hates when we say that, but it's ripe with potential. Yeah, it's true. It, but <laughs> we, it, we were saying it because we don't know. <laughs> I mean, what do you want? But it's one of those things where they, they've left little tidbits that they could pull on later, but nothing really strongly pulls one way or another. Only thing we know is that it, at least as far as the Pantheon of death and the Titans go, that there is a relationship because we know that between the Titans and a loon, there is a relationship. So there's sort of this connection, even just going through a loon that all three of these bodies, these, these groups of entities are tied together in some capacity. What that is and what that means, we have no bloody idea. Um, we know that the soul of a Titan ordinarily can't enter the Shadowlands, mm-hmm. or doesn't doesn't enter. We know that one did get brought to the Shadowlands as part of the uh, Zoval's plan in the first place, the Jailer's plan, because uh, we saw Argus attempt to take over the role of Arbiter. Yep, and and we also saw that the role of Arbiter can be passed on to somebody who's like not who's just born on in the world and died there and came to the Shadowlands. So it feels like these the the beings that are the Pantheon of Death are capable of being replaced and it's it's like a title more than it is a person. It's a mantle, yeah. Yeah. The interesting thing like about all that relationship too is it also feels like like to put, to go back to your point, what we know is that they're all sort of like supposed to be relegated to one reality essentially 
right? Like the pantheon of death should not be coming to the realm of life. The two, the, the Titans are not supposed to go to the Shadowlands. And we know that there's been a precedent for it. Now, originally we thought that, uh, Sargeras captured the souls. Uh, and I think I made this, this posit at one point. Um, and I think this might've been just kind of the assumed thing for a lot of people that Sargeras captured the souls of the Titans when he slew them. But we find Aenar and Elinara, right? We find a Titan soul that he didn't capture, but it's not in the Shadowlands. So that we know that there's some form of mechanism that keeps them there. Uh, in the when it comes to the whole uh, pantheon of death, the Arbiter, uh, even when it's destroyed, quote unquote, it's still there. It doesn't go anywhere else until somebody else picks up that mantle. Somebody else is infused with it. That power is given to something else. Uh, and when we usurp the jailer, finally, we take that mantle and give it to uh, Pelagos, right? We we give it to somebody else. Where Don't we technically give it to Pelagos before time, we deal with the jailer? Timeline-wise, it's a little weird. I think we do, but don't i don't know um the timing's weird because how the campaign released to where the the raid released but uh regardless we we essentially usurp the jailer take take them take their essence away from the vessel that they're in uh and somebody else takes over that that role of the arbiter right so we don't know what it means for the larger cosmic order like we Anne wrote a thing uh, many 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 years ago about aluna's anaru well, we joked about it. We laughed about it. There might be a tie there. There might be a deeper connection there than we mean or than, than we thought. Um, we don't know. Like, these are all threads that they can pull on later. And I'm going to shut up and let Matt talk for a little while. Well, I mean, we do know that the the uh, the tier of a loon, the, uh, the, the item that was used as one of the uh, pillars of, of creation. And now is created with the souls of all those that have. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We know that that was used to essentially restart the core of an Aru Prime, mm-hmm. and that does pro- that does imply usually it would have to be one of their direct descendants, and in this case, it could be like one of their ancestors. We we don't know how the Naru came to be in the first place. So, <clears throat> I think in general, the thing to think about is we we don't know a lot of things, and necessarily learning stuff about them does not actually answer the questions. It just opens up more questions. Really? Yeah. It's like an episode of Futurama where someone lit a fire underwater with a scar. Like, you know, that just raises further questions. Like, seriously, we don't, we don't know if here's one thing to think about. We know that the Pantheon of death seems to be one of the mechanisms that the first ones put into place to make the shadow lands lands run the way they wanted them to. We think Which that is, the we think that the Titans are much of the same way for the the realm of reality, right? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, but that's like that's the thing is like we don't know what the first ones were intending. We don't know what the Shadowlands' purpose is 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 in the great web of creation. Like, if all of these higher realms or lower realms or whatever you want to call them, if they all exist as part of a matrix to make reality, like Shadow, you know. Zareth Mortis and Shadowlands has to connect back to actually the world that we came from in order for it to do its function. And we don't know what its function is exactly, but we know it's part of the first one's design. What did, what did they design reality to do? What is it for? Why, 
why is it there? And you know, where did they come from? Since the thing that they created is everything. Like, did they exist before there was an everything? Where did they come from? Do they predate the light and the void? Are they the art? Like, did they make the light and the void and all those other forces like fell and, and death and life, like in order, do these come from the first ones? Did the first ones like bring them into existence? Did they exist before that? And the first ones are simply using them as building blocks to create a reality that's more con- contextual, that's more complicated, that's more, you know, fit for purpose. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer to any of it, but I do see threads. Like I we, think those threads are directly there. Like we made the the case, I think last week or the week before, um, where you know what is Azeroth, right? I think it was last week where we answered the question of like, what is Azeroth? What is Azeroth supposed to be? Mm-hmm. Is Azeroth being tended to specifically? You know, what was the whole goal of the first ones to create the perfect entity. And is that, was that supposed to be Azeroth? We don't know, but there is things that could point to that, right? There are things yeah, well, that can that lead you down that path. There's things that will make you think about it. Absolutely. And also think about this. Zareth Mortis has a direct connection to Azeroth and those engines that we find in ice crown. Yep. Those engines look Titan and we've seen Titan construction on Azeroth before. Right? We've also seen we've seen Titan construction in other realms of existence now. Yeah, but but here's my question: Why does Zareth Mortis go to Azeroth? Mm-hmm. And do if there are other versions of that, if there's a Zareth Ortis for order or what have you, do they channel to Azeroth? Yeah, and I was I was actually thinking and, about that as well. Like, is there a Zareth Arcanus? Is there is a yeah. Zareth like, uh, you know? Ordo, Vitae, or yeah, yeah Zareth Vitae, Zareth, Zareth uh, Lite, or whatever. Like, yeah. there's there's tons yeah. of things that could possibly. Well, this is a funnel system. We could do a whole show about this, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Trust but me. But if 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 they exist and if they channel to Azeroth, does that mean Azeroth actually existed first? Like, is Azeroth actually the oldest thing in our cosmos? Is it the linchpin? Like, there's a concept in in occultism called the. Uh, you know, the center, it's like the, the central mountain or the Omphalos. It's the place from which everything flows. Uh, in Greece, in mythic times, the, you know, Mount Olympus was the Omphalos. It was the, the place from which that's where it starts. Everything comes from there. Is that what Azeroth is to its cosmos? It, it could be because there's a ton of stuff happening on this planet that's out in the middle of nowhere that nobody knows anything about. There's, there's also somebody that posited, and I thought this was an interesting one, that everything else exists because of Azeroth, not not the other way around, that Azeroth is literally the sleeping, dreaming child that has dreamed the everything into existence, which I could see a case for that, too. Like, that's the, yeah, that's the, the beauty Emerald of this, dream, right? And the Emerald Dream is once said to be the dreams of Azeroth. Yep. And what if the Shadowlands is, the, is a dream of Azeroth? Like, it's the dream about the scary thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what happens if I die? I dream about that. What, you know, what about magic and ponies and fancy stuff? I dream about that. What about bad stuff and corruption and evil? And there's a place for that. That that could not be another possibility. There's a lot of different ways to look at it. And we don't know the specific answers. We can say that there does appear to be an interrelation. And I don't think... To tie back to something you asked in your first question, you know, we're welcoming the Void Elves. We're not welcoming the Void Elves because they're Void Elves. We're 
accepting that their void that the void in them is usable because we've got our own priests who use the void and have for years yeah and so it's the the thing is that i think it's always been the case with, with any of these forces even demons in the fell is that there's moral standards are from the perspective of the beings having them to a azarothian the the demons of the of the burning you know of the uh the twisting nether are horrible they destroy us. They ruin our things. We hate them. They don't see things that way. They feel like they're doing a good thing. They're bringing chaos forth. They're stimulating change. Change is good, but unfettered, limitless change, we can't survive it. So mm-hmm. to us, it's bad. The demons are not us, and they don't care about our perspective. Um, so all of this is is a very roundabout way of saying that not only do we not know, but the we don't even know what if what we're looking at and what we're thinking about is the right way to be thinking about it. Because at any moment we could find out something new. That that would be the thing I most want to put out there is that we may discover that there is in fact the the thing that people have been postulating that there's a mysterious seventh force that is essentially not a force at all, but the the antithesis Ethesis, of all yeah, the, the, the great devourer, the destroyer, whatever you want. The thing call that it. wants everything not to be here in the first place, because mm-hmm. you know, like void, even void, the the way void's been portrayed, void is an absence of light, but it's not an absence of itself. Obviously, there's something there in the void, and and the other thing wants there to be nothing, including the void. So who knows? We don't know. There's been there's been some hints dropped. We'll see where it goes from here. And I'm also interested to see if those hints and threads will continue on in the next expansion. Like, even though we're going to be dealing with the dragons, the dragons have always been tied up with the Titans, right? There's always been that association since the empowerment of the dragon flights, since Mm -hmm. they were, since they were first available uh, and fought, you know, against Galakrond since all of that happened. They've always been tied up with it. They're intrinsically tied to Azeroth in their, their charge of keeping the planet safe. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of deep connections and ties there. And I think that through unraveling the history of the dragons, because don't forget, they haven't been to the dragon isles in what? 10,000 years. Yeah. A little bit before the sundering, a little bit before the sundering. They haven't been there for that long. They're not exactly forthcoming with telling us about their past because, well, let's be honest. We kind of mess up everything that the dragons do. Sometimes we do good. Uh, but I mean, you know, the whole blue dragon flight saw mortals wielding magic was like, wow, that's they are doing some really messed up stuff. We're going to go ahead and take that away from them. Uh, or, you know, traveling through time, mortals helped cause the the whole warlords of drain war thing. Like there's a lot of reasons to for the dragons to not really care about mortals. And there are reasons for them to care about mortals, but they don't actually have to tell us their entire life story. But now we're going back to their homeland. We're going back to the place that they called home for so long after they were empowered by the Titans where tear we think made shop. We don't know yet. Not uh, we, we know what they've told us, but I'm going to not say anything until we actually see it in, in, live release but mm-hmm. you know so tier w- definitely had a presence there there there's yeah. literally there's literally there's a place something else yeah there's something else to point out too for the first time we're actually getting to see the perspective of the the proto drakes of the time mm-hmm. who had to witness their elemental based very primal very you know very much of a young society, suddenly these, these beings from elsewhere scoop in 
and elevate some of their people, or at least according to them, they're elevating them and transform them into this wholly new thing. And you can you see several times just in the stuff in Dragonflight, like the leveling stuff. There's a whole storyline about you know dr- dragons before proto dragons are elemental beings. Yes, they're beings of element. We find that they're, out in uh, Wrath, right? Yeah, yeah. But we don't we 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 know it's true in Wrath, but now they're like they're actually dealing with what does that mean? What what the Titans did or the Titan Forge did? What Tyr did? is fundamentally changed the nature of these beings. And there were quite a few proto-drakes who were like, this is an abomination. You're not us anymore. And this is not new to Azeroth. I mean, we've seen in Azeroth several times this has happened. The Jinyu, who are basically uplifted uh, Gorlocks. Uh, Murlocks. Well, that's the thing. Gorlocks are Murlocks who've been exposed to something like the Well of Eternity in Mm -hmm. Sholazar. And the Jinyu are like that taken all the way. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure that I, I, I specified for maybe folks that missed that expansion or didn't know. Yeah, Gorlocks are kind of Murloc. Yeah, yeah. He's, he is totally right. Um, but another one we've actually seen is is trolls. Yeah. The, not only that the trolls themselves are elevated from, from what their ancestors were. Uh, there are... The, the, you still see some signs of the original trolls that became the trolls we have today. Those giant troll berserkers are essentially a throwback. Mm-hmm. That's what trolls were before they began to to effectively come up and become a people. And the Zandalar, you, you look at the Zandalar and you can see there's like the Zandalar are extremely advanced. And they're taller than the other, the other trolls, yeah. and right? They, like- and they stand up straight. Mm-hmm. They don't, there's no hunching, none of that. But then you look at like, so you've got the trolls, they, they change and grow according to like outside forces. It's very clear that, that, Z- that Zandalar Isle is built on Titan ruins. Yeah. And we know that for a fact, right? Like we know, yeah. we know that there was at least three Titan <clears throat> facilities there. Yeah. The one up in old deer. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, 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 the city of, of Jindal- is a Titan facility. Yep. It's complete with the big Titan lock on the top. Mm-hmm. And then there's the one out in uh, Voldoon that's even bigger and more, int- and more elaborate. Uh, so yeah, that that's, that's a fact. So we know that the trolls of Z- the Zandalar trolls and all the trolls who left Zandalar to go spread out into the world, like the Gurubashi or the um, Amani or the, f- the frost trolls, whose name I can never remember. Drakari. Yeah. The Drakari. Drakari. All these various troll groups, the, the Faraki from Zulfarak, they all left Zandalar after these places were built. Because, for instance, one of the Amani ones is in Voldun. Mm-hmm. You can you can go to the original home of the of the Amani trolls. It's right there in Voldun. It's still there. Uh, I believe that a giant uh, tentacle face monster smashes open a Titan lock at one point there. That is correct. So that's enough right there. We know trolls have been elevated by the Titans. The Titans did something to the trolls and made them more like this for, for whatever purpose. We even see a troll in uh, Olduar, a big troll statue. Yeah, we do, actually. Yeah. Uh, the the, the Torin, who we think of as being as close to purely native to Azeroth as it gets, are descended from the, uh, not the Tonka, the other guys, uh, the Yongal. And the Yongal that we have now are descended from a previous group of Yongal, that the Mogu 
transformed and the mogu are titan forged and there was so statues why, of them in Alduar as well there's statues of them in Alduar as well the elves all elves exist because of the well of eternity which was part of the it's first off it's it's literally the the blood of azeroth spilling forth into a into a body of water but the, at the time there was an entire titan facility built around it and the tomb of sargeras which originally the temple of Elun, was part of that facility it was the the control hub of that facility it's where the pillars of creation are originally used and it's where a bunch of trolls became night elves mhm and that's essentially that's very much like the Jinyu to the Gorlocks. If you think of the trolls as Gorlocks, as the uplifted version of trolls, the Jinyu are you know the, the uplifted version of those guys, and so are the, the night elves. And then you see that elves keep changing. Elves go from night elves to nightborn if you do this you know high elves if you do this void elves if you do this they're 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 highly susceptible to um environmental environmental uh conditioning right Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely like the proto drakes like the proto drakes like the trolls like because look at trolls frost trolls desert trolls forest trolls and which also goes in part and parcel with going back to the the Titan uh, the Titan Forge, right? The Titan Forge. Let's just talk about like the proto dwarves. Let's talk about the Earthen. There are several different versions of them, right? Um, there are Frost Earthen. There are regular Earthen. There, there's there's a a smattering of elemental versions of them that were created. Why were they created like that? Or were they not created like that? Were they created as a base model that then adapted to the environment that they were in? Because that's the way that Titan uh, the Titan tinkering works, and we've seen that echoed in Shadowlands. Right? Mm-hmm. We've seen how Anima transforms how entities that are, are are comprised of anima adhere to the realm and environment that they're in i just want to tie this all together here real quick because i think you, you got me thinking a little bit about this and it's it's fascinating because like we talk about how transformative anima was we've we've had several episodes of this we've had several discussions about it and you look back and like yes of course like look at bastion the the folks that go there the 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 ones that are aspirants they're molded to the form of bastion when they're elevated they're molded to the form of the environment uh when you go to maldraxis it's the same thing yeah and, you can retain your original appearance if you really want to but even then you're re- not really because your original appearance still takes on the pallor or the touch yes. of the of the environment you're in in the same no, way in the but same I'm way that like what you're talking about with like the trolls and everything else, right? But what I'm talking about is that if in Meldraxis there are people who are like, you know, there's Mograin who still looks like Mograin. Yes, he's different, but he looks like Mograin. Mm-hmm. Then there's uh, Lady Vosh who showed up as an elf and then decided to become a bone naga. Yeah, she's like, no, I don't, I, I am not an elf anymore. And then you've got like uh, Draka who, you know, if, if Draka's different, it's not by much. Mm-hmm. But then you have like Baron like what Baron Vizaz or whatever his name was that dude, that's not what he looked like when he died. And they, they do this with like, when you go to Ardenweald, you literally can't maintain your original form. Like you have to pick a new one. Uh, and that, that's, and you go to, unless like, you're you know, Yeah. But if you go to like, you know, if you go to Revendreth, 
like you can retain it, but it requires a lot of resistance. And if you keep, if you let them take away your sins, if you let them take away your pride, you'll eventually change into something more like, like, for, like, um, Denathrius. Mm-hmm. You become closer and closer. The, 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 val- the, the Valkyr, but the, uh, what are they called? The blood people. Oh my God. Venthyr. Thank you. The Venthyr <laughs> become more and more like, like, uh, Denathrius the longer it goes. Uh, and now let's turn to something that relates to what Joe's been talking about. When the Mogu began shaping creatures around Pandaria to their whim, they one of them was the, was the Yongal that they they took the original proto Yongal and turned them into what they the Yongal look like today, and and that's what led to the Torn and the Tonka Pandaren, the Pandaren, which we but, think were Furibolg or some relation, yeah. And then there's the one that I really want to focus on for a second are the the, the lizard ones. Um, oh, the the oh, why can't Sorok? The Sorok, yeah. The Sorok are changed via something that the Mogu call anima. Yep. Now, is it the same anima? No, it's clearly not. It's clearly much inferior in terms of its power and potency. But it exists in our reality. Or it's, it's an attempt to recreate it in our reality by yeah, using exactly. the materials that are available to us. Exactly. It's it's and one other way to think of it might be that Anima in the Shadowlands is conceptual in a way that it won't be in our reality. Nothing in our reality because is it doesn't a have to, because it doesn't have to adhere to a certain strict rule structure, whereas our reality kind of does. Exactly. Or at least not the same rule structure. Right, 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 right. So but they called it anima and they used it to change things. It's, it's, it's the means by which they created the new, the new, uh, Yongal, which led to the existence of the Torin. And there's an old Torin myth about there's a dark force that went across the face of the world and changed the Torin and made them cruel and vicious. And only some Torin escaped it and returned to the earth mother. The Yongal are, are not good people. The Ungal are the kind of people who discover something and immediately try to use it to hurt other people. And the Tonka, the Tonka aren't nearly as vicious, but the Tonka still don't ask permission from the spirits. There's no attempt to negotiate. They're they're benders, right? Like they yeah. they force they straight them. up force them into their into their bidding. They're not as bad as others we've seen because they only do it when they absolutely have to, they, and they only ask for enough to live. Because Northrend is so hostile, but they don't take no for an answer. If the spirit doesn't want to do it, they don't say, "Okay, what can I give you that'll make you want to do it? What do you want? What do you need? Let's make a deal." Um, ironically, goblins are great shaman for that very reason, because goblins understand, "Oh no, okay, I get it. You won't give me that. What do you want? Is there something you want?" And because elementals are elemental, they don't want it; they need it. Mm-hmm. If an elemental is like, I need things to burn. Okay, so if I burn a bunch of stuff, will you will you let me have this thing? Or I need rock to inhabit. Or I need yeah. yeah like there's a that's an interesting relationship. All this to tie back to the original idea that everything is connected in some manner. At least that's what we and that and that might be the point. Yes. Yeah, that might be the whole reason for all of this. The reason we have these pantheons, the reason that Joe and I have managed to wring 30 minutes out of this <laughs> is because, A, we like doing this kind of thing where we jump off on tangents, but oh, also yeah. because the tangents connect up to other tangents that you don't see until you start talking about them. And you start going down the rabbit hole because that's what happens with us all the time. But that's why you folks listen, right? 
Yeah, yeah it, the occasional dinosaur fact, yeah. Yeah. But it, it's it's interesting because, again, there's so much room for a lot of it, and there's so much room for the story to start kind of uh, – pieces can start falling into place. Now they can start putting them where they want to go. We've been asking for years for, like, well, make the Titans make sense. And I'm, I'm oversimplifying, and I want to make that perfectly clear. Um, but it's like, make the Titans make sense. Make Azeroth make sense. Make the Legion make sense. Make – all of these things that have happened for all these all throughout the, the period of, of Warcraft actually start to make sense. And part of that is because the story has evolved over time. We talked about that at the, the top of the show. But also part of it is the game, I think, figured out where it was going somewhere around, I want to say Wrath, maybe Pandaria for sure. Like it figured out where it wanted to go. It figured out what it wanted to do. And now all these disparate threads are starting to be pulled together and woven into one cohesive thing. Like the going back to the, the Titan shouldn't be able to go to the Shadowlands. Titan shouldn't be able to die to, uh, Oh, they were working with the, the, the Legion, uh, in so much as they were trying to corrupt it and send their agents everywhere. Uh, all these threads from all of history have been pulled together, at least a little bit tighter in the loom, Thanks to Shadowlands, and I think it's going to get further refined as we move along. Yeah, it is almost an impossibility to my mind that we won't find out more about, and I hate, like, this is going to sound weird, but more about Elune in Dragonflight because there is a connection there. We know there's always been a connection there. Uh, there's always been a connection between the Green Dragonflight and Elune and the Elves, and now there's a new tier of Elune. There's no way. That, that doesn't get brought up at some point, possibly in the empowering of the Dragonflight again, because there's a connection there. And if that's the case, and the Titans and the Titan Forge did this originally, now we have further strengthening of that bond. There's a lot here, right? There's a lot that they can do with this, and I think we haven't seen the end of seeing how these threads all wrap together to make one coherent tapestry. So is there anything else you want to add before we, we uh, close it out there, Matt? Yes, but it would take another 40 minutes, so I'm going to just let it go for now. <laughs> All right, so I do want to start by saying thank you, Tolkenberg, for sending those over to us. Um, uh, the rest of you that have sent them, we have a, a lot of questions that we're still going to be getting through. We're going to be doing that for a while. And if you do have questions for this podcast or any of the other podcasts, again, be sure to send them in. Send them into podcast at blizzardwatch.com or one of our various channels on our Discord server. And again, Patreon supporters get first dibs. Speaking of Patreon supporters, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Again, folks, thank you very, very much, and we'll see you next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.